This is Quarantine Crew. Nope. This is the Random Nintendo Podcast for September 5th, episode 26? 31. 27th? 31. <laughs> 31. I'm your host, Kevin. And of course, as always, to my virtual left, and the person that always knows the number, we got Jason. It's an important job, but someone's got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. And to my virtual right, we got an angel. Hey. Yo. And do we have an episode for you, listener? I can't make any promises about its uh, quality like other podcasts do. Usually the host will say something along the lines of like, boy, how do you do? We've got a great episode lined up for you. Uh, I am not one of those hosts. I'm very much a glass half empty kind of guy. And one of the last things I ever want to be called is a liar on the internet. So I don't want to say something along the lines of like, hey, this is going to be a great episode. We haven't recorded that episode. We don't know how this episode's going to end up. So, uh, yeah, you know, that's how we're starting this episode. It sounds like your guarantee goes as far as this will be an episode. Yeah, you will, you will listen to this episode. I I can't even guarantee that you're going to finish the episode. What, what you can guarantee is there will be an amount of content recorded on a file that is accessible on our website and our feeds that is titled episode somewhere in it. Exactly. Episode yeah, 31, that's the as a matter safest, of fact. Yeah, episode 31, as we now know. Yeah, that's the safest you can do, I think. Yeah, exactly. We Not that we play it safe on this podcast, but you, you, we play it loose, as always. So loose we can't guarantee quality. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly my point. Let me open up my Rockstar. I don't know if the my mic's going to pick that up. All right. Is this, again, a I'll, zero sugar fruit punch Rockstar as you it will always, in yes, last until, random Nintendo? Exactly. Wait, Until I no, I wish we were. Can you imagine how many of opened up an energy Kevin. drink? It's like I'm opening up my rock star. That's how I start my morning. Well, let me take. I a understand that people want to know. Water here. Here you go. Tap wow. water brought to you by the L.A. Water and Power Department. Tap water. Disgusting. Do you use a Brita filter? I assume. Actually, I take it back. This isn't tap. <laughs> I just it realized like, we have a sparklets um, dispenser of water. So this is sparklets. Sparklets for when you tap have a sparklets is... dispenser? Yeah. Yeah, we do. It's a long story, but it, it, it's nice to have. Yeah, we get like these deliveries of these jugs of water every two weeks. It's like these multi-gallon jugs. It's like we're in an office, but it's just us and some cats. Oh. Is, it, is that other okay. culture like some community merch or something like that? No. <laughs> that was good. That was good. No, it's uh, it's a company. That the community character may possibly have been named after. Who knows? Interesting. Yeah, the company. Wait, which definitely community character? Brit, Britta. Oh, that's right. <laughs> but it uh, played by Gillian Jacobs, who you can see in other fine programming such as uh, Netflix's Love, which I think was canceled like three years ago. So I don't know why I'm referencing that. I, I don't but... think it was canceled. I think it just finished. Oh, okay, fair. You always got to make that distinction between. It's wrapped true. up and actually canceled. Right. Like, did they get to see their vision through or did they get yeah, cut Jason, off? you should know that better than anyone with, like, some of your favorite shows. All of them? A lot of them. Yeah. Like, All of them. Coming in and out. I remember Chuck, Chuck and Community. Community <laughs> Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Yeah, they all went through it. Although Brooklyn Nine-Nine is ending very soon for real on, I think, the 16th. And let me just say, real quick, 
if you're one of those people that are like a crossover listener and listen to a random Nintendo and a random Nintendo, you will enjoy Brooklyn Nine-Nine because there's about a Nintendo joke in episode now. And it's strange, but wonderful. They had multiple Nintendo jokes in one episode, and every episode since has had at least one. So, Like, how obvious is it? Are they, like, obvious or... Oh, they're obvious. Like, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like Andy Samberg's character, Jake Peralta, you know, makes references to having this running Mario Party feud with Wario. So those, he'll make an off, you know, hand reference to Wario or like this last episode, um, this week he was talking about, I don't remember what, but they were like, they said, why aren't you doing something? He's like, oh, cause I was trying to play, like he made some Animal Crossing reference. I was like, yeah, and I was trying some, my fossils and I couldn't, I can't remember what it was. And then there's a different episode where um, they were out in the de- in the, like, the wilderness and he's like, oh, you don't have cell service. And like, why does it matter? He's like, it's community day in Pokemon. Like I have to catch them. And like, you know, stuff like that. Like just man child sort of running riff. But yes, it's constant Nintendo references now. But he does have an ongoing feud with Wario with because Wario, Wario always wins in Mario Party. Do they ever yeah. bring up the fact that they want to arrest Yoshi for being a tax fraud? If they did that deep of a cut, I will be amazed. But hey, there's two episodes left. You never know. But that would be that would be true internet fan service at that point. So hopefully, yeah, yeah. Well, I still find it crazy that that we'll meme see. of Yoshi committing tax fraud has led to an actual game by an indie developer on Switch called like Turnip Boy commits tr- tax fraud, which is like a real thing you can download. I don't know who Turnip Boy is, what but it's a clearly a reference to the Yoshi meme. What kind of game is it? I have no idea. <laughs> I just saw the name. I was like, all right. I think it's like a top-down like adventure game of some sort, but I'm not sure. Like that new one that we're playing? No, not like, um, maybe. I mean, it's literally top-down, and I guess it's an adventure game. Yeah, I, I don't know to what degree it's similar to Rogue Heroes, which you'll hear about on future round Nintendo, maybe, out, everyone out there. But, um, you know, it is kind of a 2D, I think, a 2D top-down game where you're committing tax fraud. As huh. you do. Committing well. tax fraud as you do. Oh, sorry. It's Did called, you just get your new stimmies? It's, it's called Turn this might be commits Tax Evasion. Wait, we're getting oh, Yeah, there's there's a difference. There's a difference between There you. is a difference. He's not committing a crime. He's just manipulating the system to his advantage. Exactly. And you solve puzzles. Yes, Angel, we, we were supposed to get uh, new stimmies. Wow. Wait, what? From we the were? state of California. That's yeah. news to me. When? I, I think it's uh I think it's part of Newsom's attempt to not get recalled. Oh, I didn't hear about this. Well, that's I think cool. it's called like the Golden State Stimulus something, yeah. economic, whatever they call it. Huh. Hmm. Well, my brother well, and I just be... committed to buying a $1,600 statue, so that would be what? pretty helpful. Of what? I don't know, Jason. What do you think Owens and I would spend $1,600 on? I mean, I would say a Ninja Turtle, but for some reason I feel like I'm gonna, you're going to pull a fast one. It's going to be something totally out of left field. Uh, no, it actually is Ninja Turtle. Oh, shocker. <laughs> Which one? Which turtle? Michelangelo. So why is it $1,600? Like what See, makes that's it? the curveball. I absolutely would have said Donatello. Yeah, actually, that that's true. Yeah, what what makes it $1,600, though? So Give us the whole spec sheet. A couple months back, um, actually, I'm pretty sure it was many, many months back. Uh, I remember when I talked about this on Arnon. I'm pretty sure I did, but I was reading this, I guess individual comic story from Peter Larry Kevin Eastman called The Last Ronin where 
It said in the distant future, all the turtles but Michelangelo are already dead. They're like, and Michelangelo's like a much older, serious turtle at this point. And he pretty much dresses like, you know, he's dressed like in all, like a black, kind of really cool ninja suit. He carries all the weapons of all the turtles, and he's pretty much on like a mission, kind of like a suicide mission to kill like Shredder's grandson because of that person, you know, all the turtles are dead. And this is like a very important issue, just like kind of like an Ninja Turtle history, just because of, I guess, the fact that it was a something that got canceled many, many years ago because, you know, the creators kind of stopped working together. Not out of bad blood or anything, it just, you know, they just never got around to finishing it. And they came back, you know, 20 plus years later to finish it. And they ended up making a statue out of this Michelangelo in his, you know, last Ronin mode that looks really Mm -hmm. cool. But I think the base statue is like 800 bucks. And it just has him like kind of in an action-y perched position with all the turtle weapons. So, I mean, if anyone were to look at the statue, they couldn't tell you which turtle it was. Especially because he's holding all the weapons. So you could be like, oh, this is like a really cool looking Raphael or Leonardo, blah, blah, blah. But we know it's Mikey, which kind of makes it cooler because, you know, Mikey usually the goofball now having to essentially be the most serious he's ever been because, you know, his family died. But the $1,600 version that we're getting, that's kind of like the ultimate edition, they actually have full scopes of, I guess, the other three turtles that died behind Michelangelo. But they're like ghostly because that's kind of how they appear in the comic book. And yeah, it's it's really cool. I'll have to show you a picture sometime. But yeah, yeah, it was just one of those things where it's like we really never thought that book would get any kind of merchandise, and this popped up, and my brother and I both fell like instantly in love with it, and we're like, yeah, this is a buy first, think about how we're gonna store it later. I mean, we're not getting it. it. I mean, it's not gonna. It's not released until like sometime next year. So all we could do is pre-order it. So you know, future us can worry about it. But like, how how big is the statue? Like, is are you gonna have to like rearrange everything, or is it? Well, I mean, I have to matter for sixteen hundred. It's decent size. Uh, it's not as big as you might think. It's like a little bigger than the Phoenix Wright statue that I have. Okay. Okay. So like three ish, two ish so, feet. Yeah. So a goodish amount of space. Right. Right. I was half expecting to be like, oh, it's no bigger than an amiibo. And I'd be like, oh my god, that's a lot for an amiibo. <laughs> oh man, if it was like a, just a big old amiibo. Gold plated. Like <laughs> gold plated? Gold plated amiibo? Oh wait, that's Like an actual of... gold? Yeah, that, that kind of happened with Mega Man, wasn't it? I mean, or it was, it was just painted gold. Yeah, it was Mega Man, but it was just painted gold. I'm talking about like actual like gold. At that, If it was $1,600. Oh, for an amiibo. I thought you were talking about uh, the uh, the Ninja Turtle. Well, yeah, I was saying if it... Well, I was trying to say is if it was in, uh, the size of an amiibo, which was an issue I thought I might say, um, it would have to be gold-plated to justify that price. Well, there's a picture okay, of it, okay. just so you can actually see it for context. But as you can see, yeah, it's uh, nicely detailed and just looks really cool. Oh, it looks really cool. Okay, now I understand why. Okay. That does look pretty cool. Yeah, and the, yeah, huh? and oh, you yeah, actually, okay. Actually, it's okay. No, I'm not looking at the comparison that. with that person to scale. 
I guess yeah, it's it's about like what I said. Just definitely bigger than the Ace Attorney one, but not super huge either. Also, you misled us, Angel. It's one thousand six hundred and five dollars. You guys gotta make sure to split that two fifty. Oh yeah, fine, true, true. <laughs> Why even just add the five dollars at the end? Yeah, seriously, like, what off. are they gaining with that five dollars? <laughs> I don't know, I guess when they weighed the resin or whatever they made it from, it's like, oh, it came out to five. It's like, oh, we got rounded down, but they're like, no, we need to, I guess, you know, make back their money. Listen, we got these suckers in at $1,600. they will pay the five. It's probably their line of thought. Yeah, that's a good point. Like, who's, <laughs> whose breaking point is going to be those last the $5? dollars. Yeah. Is that funny? Like, I would have bought this now. at 16 uh, The extra five? Nah, that's that's my breaking point. Yeah, seriously. I mean, it's I mean, like what cars do, right? Like, you get packages where it's like, oh, you know, the car's like 32000 for this. But, like, oh, you want, like, the sport package? Well, that's 3000 more. And on the one hand, you're like, oh, that's 3000 more. But they're also like, but the car's already 32. So, like, is that a yeah, lot you're not going to notice those yeah. extra 2000 or whatever. Just yeah. for, like, plastic over your bumpers or whatever. Right, right. I got the sports package. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I did that car didn't last. Uh, that, that car only lasted two years, so. Maybe it was a waste of money. Yeah, I did not get it. Except for the yeah, check I, package. Yeah. I had the sport package. I had the sound system package. Um, I don't remember what else. I did not get the fog lights, which was kind of a weird choice. Like, oh, I want good sound. I want, like, better acceleration. But fog? Who cares about fog? But visibility? But visibility, pacha. <laughs> yeah, patoof. You should spit in the face <laughs> of the dealer. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Wow. Well, uh, yeah. Well, uh, with that, let the show begin, eh? Let's start whoa. with uh, right. Canadian Kevin. Yeah. Whoa. We got. We went Canada. Yeah, Canadian Kevin. I like that. I. Do you guys know what a Canadian tuxedo is? Yes. Jeans. All jeans. Yeah. Denims. Or I was not, no, is, but denim? I guess now I know. Yeah, I think it's like a denim jacket with denim, denim pants. Yeah. And probably exactly. a mullet, but that might be optional. <laughs> mm, I don't know about that. I remember our friend Eric once when we were like out in downtown LA, I think I was wearing like a a black denim jacket and, you know, black denim jeans. And he just looked at me, he's like, Uh, oh, going with the Canadian tuxedo today, eh? And that was the first time I ever heard it. <laughs> and uh damn it now, whenever now I, I purposely try to not do that. Because I feel like Eric was was saying it in a tone that was like "you loser" kind of. <laughs> well, I don't think anyone's ever like. Doing that, but... I don't think anyone's ever like sweet Canadian tuxedo, bro. Like I don't think it's ever enough. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> it, 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 exactly. It was. It definitely wasn't that. You yeah. know. So, yeah. so anything that isn't that is going to make me feel bad. <laughs> It does it have to be right. the same color though? Because I do get conscious about like because I have a black like denim jacket that I sometimes wear with blue jeans, and I'm sort of like, uh, is it is it a Canadian tuxedo? Like I don't know. So listen, if anyone out there knows, uh, tweet us at Ram Nintendo and tell us the definition of Canadian tuxedo to you. Yeah, let us know. But until then, Angel, you've been playing Psychonauts. Yeah, kind of randomly came about. Well, I guess maybe not randomly. I was about to say the sequel just came out. That's not random. Yeah, I mean, it, it's coincidental, I guess. Because um, I... Psychonauts is a game that I've always kind of wanted to play. Like, it's... Well, actually, no, I take the back. I never was ever really, like, actively trying to play it. Otherwise, I feel like I could have easily have. 
especially after getting a PC. But it's always been on my radar, at least as a game that I've heard generally only ever heard positive things about. I don't think I've ever heard any anything negative about it. So, I mean, you know, because the sequel was coming out and a lot of people that I know were really into the first one, like I was bound to start hearing a lot of buzz about it like close to its release. And one of my friends just happened to mention that, like, hey, it's currently a buck on Steam. So I'm like, you know what? I'm down to get it for a buck. That's a steal. And yeah, that, absolute that's, steal. Yeah. I've never played it, but just from that price plus that quality, yeah. Yeah, so it, it felt like, a, like you know, I have to get it for a buck. Like, even if I don't play it then, like, I'd be dumb not to buy it then. But I ended up playing, like, for five hours straight that night just because it was just fun. Um, I mean, it's not... I knew it was a platformer. That's all I really knew going in, but it wasn't quite what I expected. I mean, it's definitely not the kind of platformer that challenges your, I guess, platforming skills. It's more of like a, it's more like a puzzler, if anything. Yeah, it definitely has puzzle puzzle elements. Like it's like if they took a the you know those point and click adventures and kind of turned it into a side scroller. Just because you have, like, your typical, oh, you need to bring object A to object B. Oh, you need to get object C to get object D. I mean, object B. And it's not that. Luckily, I didn't get stuck until, um, I guess, something called, like, the Milkman Conspiracy Case. And Hell like yeah. The, One of the best like, levels in video games, in my opinion. Like, visually, like, that place is awesome. Like, actually, a lot of these levels, like where you learn to fire your psychic beam. Like, you're fighting on top of, like, a giant cube, and you're literally walking around it like, Mario Galaxy status. And this game, I'm pretty sure, predates Mario Galaxy by a good number of years, right? Because this is Xbox Yeah, One. this game came out in 2003, yeah. Oh, yeah, I think Galaxy was uh, 07. Jason 07, yeah. obviously knows. Yep, yep, 07. November What 07. day? The third week of the month, I can tell you that. Maybe the 15th? I'll look it up. Third week of what month? November. Oh, okay. 2007. I oh. said it already. Uh, yeah, I missed the November part. I mean, oh. if I get this right, I might have gotten it wrong. I got oh. the month and the year. I don't know if I got the day. Oh, I was so close. The 12th. I said the 15th. Well, Man, I might as well just quit Rand Nintendo well, altogether now. Yep. Yeah, we're done with Rand Nintendo. That was. Yeah, you're losing it. We didn't even get to send it off on a proper note and anything. It's just, it's just dead. Yep. Come back two weeks for another Arnon, but next week, no Arnon. <laughs> Once I got that date wrong, it's all over. Yeah, Jason's losing it. But what I really like most about the game so far, I mean, like, according to Kevin, I'm like about halfway through the game, and it felt like it was kind of... The game, at some point, like first starts like feels a little slow, but then like it just kind of picks up, and before I knew it, it's like, oh, I have... Pretty much my whole psychic dial filled up. It felt like I pretty much have everything collected. So to kind of hear that it's a little more to go, it's pretty cool. Just because the creativity from level to level, like, I can see why a lot of people remember this game fondly. Just because it really changes things up. It's not just like, here are more things to jump from platform to platform. Like, one minute you're... I mean, I guess because, like, each level kind of focuses around what they're teaching you initially... Like that aforementioned giant cube, you walk around and you have to like make your way to certain targets to fire at them. 
or later you have to fight like this giant fish that ends up chasing you and creates like a a second person perspective which yeah exactly which is really interesting like i have i've only heard of one of the game that does something similar to this but yeah it's kind of interesting platforming as raz this character the name of the main character from the perspective of the fish you're fighting which is really cool and yeah character design Uh, well really really quickly we should just explain what psychonauts is it's a you play as, like Angel said, Raz, a young psychic, uh, I think about like 12, 13 years old, who like sort of infiltrates a summer camp for kids with psychic abilities that is run by like the Psychonauts, who are these, um, think Leonardo DiCaprio in Inception, but instead of invading mind, instead of invading dreams, he invades minds, but with uh, like psychic abilities like telekinesis and pyrokinesis, that kind of stuff. And so he just sneaks onto the camp and, like, you know, he joins them on their activities to become psychonauts eventually. Yep. Pretty cool. And the character designs themselves, like, I mean, I guess thankfully because of, like, you know, your typical Tim Schafer kind of looking characters, they, visually the game, I would say, aged pretty well. It surprisingly doesn't look that dated. Like, I mean, I have the graphics bumped all the way up and everything looks nice and crisp, except for the cutscenes, which, you know, it looks like I'm watching like a, like a 2003, like, you know, AMV or something, like on YouTube. Like, it's just super fuzzy. But then when it comes back to gameplay, or you see in-game cutscenes, damn, the game looks nice. But the characters themselves, you know, a lot of them are really ugly, but it's like intentionally ugly. Not just because of the polygons, it's just, yeah, these characters are really freaky looking. But that's just how a lot of these games like tend to look. I'm pretty sure whoever was like one of the main designers of these characters ended up working for Zoink. Because, yeah, those characters from Stick It to the Man and Flipping Death are identical. Except for the fact that they're 2D. But I never thought about that before. That is interesting. I, I knew Zoink looked like their stuff looked kind of familiar. I just never put my finger on it before now. Huh. Yeah, it's different from Psychonauts. And, yeah, I mean, the abilities are fun. The characters are interesting. Like, you could tell this game is like a... Like, you kind of play for the dialogue. Just because a lot of it is pretty good. Um, they didn't make it through... I mean, I don't know. I, I kind of feel dumb for not having done it. Just because, like, as you play the game, they do tell you to buy certain objects. But... Because you're never forced to do it as part of a tutorial or as, like, a main quest that, you know, you can't progress until you buy this thing from the shop. It's, like, vacuum that gets cobwebs. Like, I never got it, or I felt like I never needed it. And eventually, I got stuck. And they don't tell you right away that it's because you needed to buy that object. So, I like, I went everywhere, like, trying to find what I needed. Obviously, couldn't find it. And eventually, I just looked it up. And it's like, oh, you have to buy the... The cobweb duster or whatever. So, I mean, that's definitely an overlook, an oversight on the development back then, I would say. Yeah. Or on the level design, not the development. Yeah, they really needed to make you get it instead of just, you know, having characters in the background saying, hey, this would be a good idea to get. It's like, oh, good idea. Not mandatory. Cool. Gotcha. (laughs) It's a suggestion. But, I mean, you know, and because you're like battling inside people's minds, like, the affirmation does like cobwebs like you know a lot of things like you know they take advantage of that to use for their theming 
you have the cobwebs that represent, you know, like, a lot of, I guess, older memories or, like, just stuff in your mind that just hasn't moved for a while, so, like, it just gets kind of tangled. Um, there's, like, baggage you need to collect, you know, because you have, everyone has baggage. And, you know, you also, like, collect, I guess, I guess their equivalent of coins are, like, figments, which are just, like, little 2D images that just appear all over the map that, you know, usually represent, like, stuff about the characters whose mind you're inside. And a lot of these minds aren't typically, like, what you would expect either half the time. And sometimes they are, but, like, in cool ways, like, you know, you go into some woman's mind that looks like she came straight from the 70s disco era or whenever the 70s, I mean, whenever disco was. 60s? Actually, 70s. maybe not disco. 70s. It's more right. groovy. Whatever. 60s. Whatever era that is. 60s. Like Austin Powers kind of deal? 60s. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, her mind level looks pretty much exactly like that. Down to, like, you know, the floral print, the floral print patterns, the style of the music. And then you go into, like, this fish's mind. Yeah, this fish's mind. And that one, that level was pretty cool. Just because, if you know me, I'm a big fan of the Godzilla stuff. So, that was pretty neat. But... Yeah, definitely. I thought you were going to say you're you're a big fan of fish. Oh. Yeah, I was expecting that too. <laughs> but, yeah, looking forward to finishing it. I mean, it might still be available for a buck. Hopefully it is. That way you can take advantage of that. Otherwise, I'm pretty sure it's worth whatever it costs. It can't be that much, right? Like, I'm pretty it's sure it's probably Pass. 20 at most. Well, it's also on Game Pass, isn't it? Maybe. I know yeah, it's also on Game Pass. I, I believe it. It should be. Yeah. Well, considering that Double Fine was purchased by Microsoft. Yeah, exactly. A couple of years ago. I'm back. sure they probably oh. brought all their games over. Uh, let me let me see how much it costs. Huh. Well. Definitely you're regretting spending a dollar, Angel, knowing you could have just played it on Game Pass? <laughs> it's no, $10 Game Pass. currently. Oh, right. You're on Game Pass. Yeah, I just did the three months for a dollar. And, yeah, I don't, I don't need another... Super huge library of games. I I like making sure that it's at least growing at a pace I can manage, quote unquote. Yeah, I've got Game Pass until April of 2023, and I barely use it. Yeah, I, I signed up for um, Apple Arcade the other week because I wanted to try the new Tetris game they have. And yeah, I I barely outside that Tetris game although I barely use it just because it's like it's almost like choice overload. There's like too much. I don't know where to like begin. Yeah, but uh, Psychonauts, you you recommend Angel for sure? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, cool, cool. Because uh, next quarantine, god damn it, next uh, <laughs> random Nintendo, uh, I'll probably be talking about the sequel because I have been playing a little bit of that. But uh, on the front of too much content, oh yeah, let's go with you, Jason. You're, yeah, there's you got too much content overload. There is too much TV. Um, yeah, so after Marvel wrapped its live-action stuff for a while, I started, like, looking for other things to watch. And yes, I know What If is out, and yes, I watched a couple, and yes, I have mixed feelings, and yes, I don't know if I'll finish it, but that's another conversation. Um, yeah, no, there's just, like, so much content. So I started looking, and I somehow went down this rabbit hole of, like, dark comedies, and it's just insane how many there are, like, how much there is. I mean, so there's one that got a lot of buzz that I think I mentioned last Arnon uh, that we were talking, that I was watching at the time, which was White Lotus. Um, and White Lotus is 
you know, it's one of many of these types of shows, but it had some buzz. It had some really, like, it's basically the premise is there's this intersecting stories of three or four different groups of hotel guests, like families, um, staying at this resort in Hawaii called the White Lotus. And they, you know, kind of as they go through it, every, you know, every family has their problems, every person has their issues, and it's kind of like seeing them experience those issues and how they kind of cross with one another and just sort of where it ends up and honestly that show, that show had a ton of buzz and I can understand why like as it's unfolding it's really um, extremely well shot like the cinematography is really nice it has this really interesting Hawaiian influenced uh, soundtrack that is pretty distinct It you know the characters like their their stories seem interesting um, obviously a big reason the show is popular is because the Nintendo Switch had a huge role in the first two episodes it was everywhere uh, that's clearly where the success comes from. But no, it was like overall good Wait, show. Wait, really? It, it, there is a switch in it. Yeah, one of the kids is playing it constantly. Um, and does this real – like honestly, one of the most nerve-wracking parts of the show was the kid took it in a swimming pool with him and was like wading through the water carrying his switch over to like the bar to get like a drink or you know a non-alcoholic drink because he's a teenager. And I'm just like, oh, he's going to drop down the water. And it was like very <laughs> nerve-wracking. No, but um, yeah, for like two or three episodes, there is a switch that's prominently featured, logo and all. Um, Dude, imagine a water-resistant switch – that's a Switch Pro if I've ever heard one. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so the show, like, you know, it had some good momentum as it's going, and then it just sort of, like, I don't want to say peters out, but it, it does conclude, but, like, all the characters, pretty much all the characters become completely unlikable, and it just sort of, like, I don't know, like, I feel like the middle of the show was the strongest, and by the end, you're just like, oh, okay, and everyone, like, leaves the resort and goes back to wherever their lives were, and then they announced they're doing a season two, and I'm like, of What? Like, new characters, maybe? Like, is it the same premise? Like, so I'm curious where that goes. But that's an example of, like, a, one of these dark comedies that got a lot of attention. And, you know, it, it all these shows seem to have... The ones I've been watching lately seem to basically be interpersonal or, like, like introspective, like, issues. And then they put some weird humor on top of it. And White Lotus has some weird humor. Like, it goes all in. Um, but, yeah, that's when I had a lot of buzz. So that exists, right? Give a very detailed over What? Give a detailed example. Uh, I don't want to spoil anything. I'll just say if you watch it, you'll know. Um, so that's one example of like one of these shows that you know a lot of attention around. It like very quickly picked up steam. It had a lot of people kind of just talking about it. Then on the flip side, you have an equally kind of introspective dark comedy called Made for Love, also on HBO Max, uh, and that one arguably maybe was the stronger of the two but there's been not like a blip about like it came out in april like a couple people maybe mentioned it in passing like there's maybe an article or two and that just like disappeared and and that show is essentially an extended um well you guys haven't seen either of these right nope okay. correct i but okay. like you said i have heard a lot of uh white lotus right like it was inescapable for a few weeks and then it was a limited yeah. series and that just like ended but then there's like made for love which is also kind of limited series i think it was eight episodes half an hour each which by the way more dramas need to do half an hour shows because honestly it was really nice to be able to just have like bite-sized episodes opposed to having to like commit like a full hour of your time but even though i ended up binging it at the same rate so but you know just knowing it's easier to stop but um yeah so then made for love is this other show it's uh the person who plays the mom i'm blanking on her name i'm pulling an angel the person who plays the mom on how i met your mother at the end as well as in palm springs opposite andy samberg she wait they show the mother at the end of how i met your mother yeah 
Huh. He has to meet how I met oh, your mother. Christina they have to meet Minetti yeah, or Minotti, her. something like that. Yeah, yeah. so she's the, the star. Was Robin. No, it's this woman who came in in like the final like season of the show. Um, but anyway, yeah, so she's the star of this, and the premise is basically she's married to a rich tech tycoon, uh, kind of an amalgamation of like Steve Jobs and Jack Dorsey, and maybe a little of one of the Google guys, and um. His last name is Gogol, which is really not subtle. But anyway, you find out very quickly in the show that he actually has put a chip in her head called Made for Love. And the idea is that if you're really a strong couple in a strong relationship, you don't need secrets. You want to know what the other person's always thinking. So this new technology allows you to bridge your thoughts. And of course, it's never like that. No one wants every thought to be known by any everyone at any one time or by the other person at any one time. So... She understandably wants out of the relationship and is kind of navigating like that whole thing. It's basically a giant metaphor for, um, you know, like you, you break up with someone and they still maybe kind of haunt you in some way. Like you think about them when things happen or, or they – if you want to get a little darker, you know, maybe there is some abuse or something in the relationship, which in this show there definitely kind of was. Um, and, you know, it, it, it scars you and as you try to go about your life, it's still there. And it's just in this case, it's literally a, a chip. That's still there in her head. Um, but the whole thing just feels like an extended black mirror. And it too, weirdly, is actually kind of a dark comedy and has some funny moments. And randomly Ray Romano's in it playing her dad, which I didn't expect. But, you know, it's like an eight-episode thing. It, it actually has a better conclusion. It, it goes through a whole story arc with all the characters. And it got zero attention, I feel like. And it's just so weird that a show like White Lotus can blow up. And arguably an equally good show in different ways, like Made for Love, just kind of like fizzles out. I don't know. Like apparently it's still getting a season two. So I guess it did some numbers for HBO Max, but no one's talked about Made for Love. You know, there's like – it's just so interesting how the streaming landscape is now what it is where like you know, I watch these back-to-back and they are, I'd say, on par. And yet one was the talk of the town and the other – exists um and now i'm now it's kind of happening with a wave two because i'm into a second set of dark comedies um i don't know if they're full-on comedies one kind of is one's uh only murders in the building which i just started last night actually do you guys know about that one on uh, Hulu? i can't say i've heard Ooh. of it so it's steve martin martin short and selena gomez which is a mad lib of a list of people um but well, the first two make sense well the first they, two make sense but selena gomez yeah. Oh, yeah, totally. But Slayer Gomez being shoved in is kind of random. Um, but, yeah, the premise is these three people all listen to true crime podcasts, and then there's a murder in their building, and they decide to solve it and do it as a podcast as they go, which, for one thing, makes a lot of weird moments where they're like, oh, it's better to record in a closet. And I'm like, thank you, as I sit here in this closet right now. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of, you know, it's, it seems kind of like it's Steve Martin and Martin Short, so it's gonna be lighthearted, but actually, like, gets into some, like, deeper, it's probably one of their more, like, mature, it's TVMA, which I think for them is a first. Like, I don't think I've heard Steve Martin curse as much as in this. Yeah, they're, they're a very, they're, more they're very much a family friendly, yeah. like, comedic duo. Yeah, and, like, like, they'll take jabs, like, or they at least seem to it. Yeah, and, I mean, they, they, their bit is they will take, like, Martin Short and Steve Martin go back to work specifically Martin Short goes back and forth taking jabs and like you know kind of making fun of each other but it's always sort of like packaged in like this wholesome way almost but this show yeah exactly it's so they are still relatively wholesome but like it's about murder there's like 
you know, there's them saying the F word and stuff. It's just like, whoa, this is this is weird for these guys. But the show, I'm three episodes in. There's at least five. Um, it, I'm caught up up to what's out right now. And, uh, yeah, it seems like it's going kind of a similar route as the other two where it's like this sort of introspective, like, it seems like something's up with Selena Gomez's character and, like, maybe some other people in the building. And it, it, it's, it's interesting. But it is, again, like this weird <laughs> route I'm going down where dark comedies are introspective. Um, at least with this one, it is getting attention. Apparently it was the biggest comedy debut on Hulu ever. Uh, and similarly, I'm also on Hulu watching another show that's kind of actually a mix of White Lotus and kind of dark com- uh, Basically, it's White Lotus. It's called Nine Perfect Strangers. Uh, this one my girlfriend wanted to watch, but it's about this group of nine people that go to a um, resort that's kind of like a, a, a retreat. They can't have phones, and they're sort of they go to better themselves in some way. It's like a, almost like a rehab of sorts. Um, and yeah, there's like all this mysterious stuff going on. But again, it's kind of about these people and they're like White Lotus. These people and their lives intersecting and how they kind of have all their various issues and can help each other and overcome things and the crisscross of all that. So I don't know what's going on with this kick of mine lately where I'm just going down this dark rabbit hole of deep comedies or dark deep rabbit hole of dark comedies. But um, yeah, it's just kind of that's four shows that three came out within the last six weeks. One was from April. Two of them are very themed uh, or themed very similarly. All of them have, in, have surprisingly high production value. Uh, Mayfield maybe being the weakest of the bunch, but like that's just in six weeks in the middle of August. You know, once like the big shows like start coming back, you know, when you get your new Stranger Things and your new Succession and your new whatever, like it's just crazy how much content there is. I mean, even on, on Netflix, like my girlfriend's been watching like shows I've never heard of that are like two seasons deep. Like there's one called like uh, clickbait that's like a murder mystery there's one called um this i forgot what the other one is but it's like something beach or set of beach i don't know it's also like a murder mystery. there's just so much content and like like the top show on netflix is one i can't remember the name of i never even knew it existed like it's crazy how much content there is like i don't know how i there has to be a breaking point right like even for someone like me to watch four of basically the same themed show like there has to be a breaking point at some point and i just wonder what that is and what show becomes a casualty, you know. That I sense. don't think I don't think there will be a breaking point because all these streaming services are vying for your subscription dollars, and they've yeah. got to keep pumping out what they believe is going to pull in the viewers, right? So true, that's why true. that's why everything gets canceled after like two or three seasons on Netflix, right? Because people yeah. yeah people get less interested unless like you get really lucky, like uh, Stranger Things. Which right. was one of the very first originals, wasn't it? Or like not one yep. of the very it first, was, but like Bojack? among the first three, it was BoJack, House of, House of Cards, BoJack, Orange is New Black, Stranger Things. I believe was the sequence. Uh, simpler time when that's yeah. All you need to we can't yeah. keep up because like that's the thing. That like, and then, or go ahead. What are you gonna say? Uh, it, it's like that, and then the movie side because like what was the first Netflix movie? Bird I, did, I think we talked about this, but but I forgot. But was it six hundred? No, it wasn't Six Underground. No, it was definitely not Six Underground. It was I way earlier than that. I, I was it. I don't think it was Okja. It was right before Okja. Oh, oh, it was the Eli Roth one. The right? Eli didn't Roth they pick one. up? Didn't they pick up distribution very early on? Or no, that was a show he did with them. Never mind. He did a show with them at one point, like a violin. Well, like, even even the yeah. on the movie side, every 
everybody is coming out with these, you know, just these made for streaming movies mm-hmm. that I don't know half of them that are coming out. I did not know that Charlie's Theron one was out until I heard news of a sequel like happening. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Or like, yeah. And like, I guess I'm talking about, I guess I was initially talking about more from a show perspective, but it's the same thing of like, it's just so much. And I do understand, you know, the advantage of if they do, like you said, two seasons and they cancel or whatever. Cool. It's always on streaming. People can watch it years later and it's fresh to them. I mean, that's how, you know, granted it was six months but or four months, but like Made for Love, they did a marketing campaign early on. It was what it was. It picked up enough momentum later on quietly to I now guess get a season two. Which actually the the show worked really well as a single season. Like they wrapped it up pretty, I want to say nicely because the ending's kind of what it is. But they wrapped it up. Uh, but um, yeah. But to the movie point, I don't think they necessarily care if you don't know the movie because you'll stumble across it one day. The fact that Netflix added a shuffle button is wild to me. Like you could literally be like, I don't know what to watch. You tell me Netflix, and it just shows you a random thing based on your previous viewing. It just starts it. I guess like something that we're also weird. not taking into account is the international audiences. Yeah, we don't know true. what they're watching. That's we don't true. know what they're talking about. That's true. Yeah, but and and, yeah. I, and this isn't a this isn't a diss against any of these shows. Like I'm, I'm enjoying all the ones I just mentioned. Um, it's great that these ideas are able to find a place to be turned into shows, and you know, like it's really cool for creators. It's just like how do you consume it all? Like how. Like this idea, it honestly leads to a bigger thing, which we sort of have been seeing oh, a while, for a while. This idea, hobby. what? Nothing like this has to become your hobby. Like you can't essentially. Have any other well, and it, it does pair well with the idea. Hasn't that this hasn't this always been the issue though? Where like there's too much content. Like like not necessarily that it's all going to be quality, but isn't an hour being added to like YouTube's servers every second? Like yeah. even since the like its inception, so it's always been an issue. Yeah, it's just yeah. like having to sift through so it to, I think to get maybe that. Just, like, yes, maybe Angel. Just, I was gonna say maybe it just boils down to this kind of trend we've been seeing in Hollywood lately, which is excluding, let's say, The Rock and maybe Tom Cruise. There isn't this idea that if you put a leading man in a movie, you're guaranteed success. Like, the idea of, like, you know, like, the movie, like, 1950s, like, movie star icon where people just go see it for that one person, or even in the 80s, you know, like, the Schwarzenegger, like, era. Like, even that's kind of excluding The Rock and maybe Tom Cruise. That's kind of falling apart. Like, it, it, it's, like, there's just so much out there that people aren't necessarily going to be like, oh, I have to see the new Rock thing. You're going to see the stuff that's good. And that's through word of mouth. Because, you know, they've, they've, they try to set up, like, Oh, I guess it does have the rock in it. Never mind. No, what I was going to say is, like, they tried, like, there's been so many, like, attempts to prop up a new, like, leading man in Hollywood that have fallen flat. Well, I feel like back in the day, they just picked their person and do it, and it would happen. Like, you know, Sam Worthington, uh, Taylor Kitsch. Like, there's all these people that, like, kind of came and went that Hollywood was very clearly, like, we're going to make someone out of this. And the audiences are like, you need quality. And I guess we're now reaching the point where people are just going to find their niche. It doesn't matter who's in it. It doesn't matter what it's about. It's just if it clicks, if it has word of mouth, if it like, you know, White Lotus, if I said to you guys, watch this show about three families in a resort, you'd be like, what? But then as people watch it, they spread the word. So maybe it, that's one of the advantages of streaming is because it doesn't go anywhere. It's not fleeting like a TV show airing on TV. It kind of shifts how you watch things and how, yeah. how things are spread and consumed. 
which yeah i mean there's only so much that you can do yeah yeah which also makes it weird the like, word. yeah but it also makes it weird because like celebrity culture shifts as a result too like this idea that there's you know 20 30 40 leading people that everyone you know you see them you're in san Marcos somewhere and you're like oh my god it's blah 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 the star of blah 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 and like the majority of people around you're like oh i know that show i don't know if that's true anymore like there's there's some of that but like you can definitely walk down the street and see someone that starred in like I don't know one of the Netflix movies are like charmed the reboot on CW or something and like for a subset of people that's huge but it's not the same as like 20 years ago where everyone knew everyone on Cheers or everyone watched the, the MASH finale or everyone watched the Friends finale like right. that that the the water cooler is kind of gone I guess like the idea of like everyone congregates around the same top talk, talking points which Game of Thrones was probably the last one of those. It may forever yeah, be the last one. Exactly. Those. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Yeah. It's really weird to think about. And I know it's all spun out of me just saying I was watching some dark comedies, but like, and I've enjoyed them and I recommend, well, White Lotus kind of peers out, but it's fun while it goes. Uh, but yeah, it's just like weird to think about. Like I can row off these four shows that I guarantee no one else I know has watched. And they're big shows, but I guarantee just like due to how many things are out there, you guys haven't watched it. I bet no, no one else in our friend group has watched it. Like it's just, it's just weird how like segmented it's become. Anyway, that was my rant. And Point is, those shows are pretty back. good. What was that, Kevin? Shows are pretty good. No, I, yeah. I said and we're never coming back. No, we're, we're not. Once I get on that soapbox, get the primey off over my, <laughs> over yeah. my body. But uh, yeah, that, that that was it. So point is, Made for Love, Sleeper Hit, watch that. Or not Sleeper Hit, but surprisingly good, watch that. White Lotus, eh, it's entertaining. And only murders in the building. I'll get back to you on it in a few weeks when it's over. Cool. Well, on the top, well, something else that's been happening. Yeah. This is my attempt at a transition. Aside from like movies and TV shows, we have had quite a lot of albums come out recently. Oh man, it's yeah, nice. Abba just had one. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, yeah. Abba, like, yeah. Abba's going to, aren't they? Uh, yeah. Or the did they release came it out last week? The album um, came out, but yeah. I think the concert is. Still coming. The whole no, I think it's two lead singles. It's it's two lead singles, then the album in a month or two, then the the motion concert next May or the motion capture concert concert next May or something like that. That concert, by the way, was announced in 2016. They've been working on this for what will be at that point eight years. Wait, no, six years. Math, six years. That's crazy. But anyway, yeah, yeah, Kevin, you were saying. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. yeah, a couple of a uh, couple of albums that I've listened to. Tyler the Creators, "Call Me If You Get Lost." I really, really enjoy that one. I don't know if you ever are you a Tyler Call fan, uh, Jason? You know, we're it, Angel. How do you know the melody so perfectly? Uh, yeah, That's I was gonna say the only. Yeah, um, Tyler went in a really interesting direction. Yeah, that, he just uh, went like album. full on like Broadway musical, just like "Call Me." Uh, yeah, no, I some of his stuff. I surprisingly am not super into him. I think. You, like I, you would think I would be because like he's kind of like that lane of hip hop where he's like, especially these days, very like innovative and trying different things and very like production he- production based. But in his early days, when you know Odd Future was just kind of these like dudes running amok, being crazy, it, it, it never clicked with me, and I never like caught back up afterwards. But I know that like Igor is a good album, and I've heard a few so- songs on that, and I've heard good things about this one, but I haven't actually listened to it fully. You know, yeah, Call Me If You Get Lost, uh, I think was great. 
Then we had a couple of days ago, Certified Lover Boy by Drake, which I haven't listened to, but I hear it's long as hell. It's and it's it's technically shorter than Kanye's Donda, but the problem is I, I skipped around it a bit. Um, all the songs sound like they just flow together, like it it all has the same hi hat snare, like all of them. <laughs> the only song that's different is one that flips. Uh, right said Fred's too sexy, and that one's just not. I don't even know if it's a parody or a real thing. Like, it could be a Lonely Island song, and I'd believe it. Like, it's, like, it's future just with his, you know, kind of garbled auto-tune voice that he does, just listing off he's too sexy for different things, and then Drake rapping. It's bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. So then Donda, which uh, you will talk about in a little yep, bit, yep, but yep. the one that I want to talk about a little bit, I don't know if you've heard it, Jason. I have. I have. Uh, the Killer's Pressure Machine, they're seventh studio album technically their eighth album if you count sawdust which i always count sawdust <laughs> um yes yeah, so new killers album came out it's been about a year since the last one uh imploding the mirage which we actually talked about it was one of our very yeah one of our like early episodes episode. that we talked about mm-hmm. it and i yeah, love that uh, album Prince I, yeah i know you don't but i really like that album yeah. it grew on me a lot more after we recorded too yeah um you definitely liked it Way more than I did. I yep. didn't like it. I I thought there were some interesting songs on there. I the uh, the opening track, uh, "My Own Soul's Warning," I absolutely love, and I would put on there uh, on like my top ten favorite Killer songs. But I believe I talked about how I didn't like Brandon's slow descent into like Springsteen Americana. Yeah, <laughs> so pressure. Machine, and then man. the pandemic happened, <laughs> and now pressure machine is just straight up Springsteen Americana. Yeah, and man, I didn't think that I could dislike an album more than imploding the Mirage. But there is a clear power gap now between imploding the Mirage, which I already thought was weak, and this album. And I, and I, was... I the killers are no longer for me. I. I, like. I, I I do want to say two things to that. One is even I, as someone that loves and playing the Mirage, was like, "What?" to <laughs> to Pressure Machine. Like we were like we were hyped for it here at my apartment because like we love like yes, even the cats. But we 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 really like playing Mar- Mirage. Played all the time. Pressure Machine was announced. Like this is awesome. We actually ordered because they have them for like fourteen bucks signed copies of the physical CD for Pressure Machine, um, signed by Flowers himself. Uh, and we're like, oh, this is great. And then like we listened to the album. We're like, what? What is this? And then what I kind of realized, and this is a pair uh, uh, analogy you're probably gonna hate, Kevin, because uh, I know how you feel about Coldplay. But this reminds me oh, of God. when Coldplay did. I, to, to be to be clear, to be clear, I do not hate Coldplay. I do okay. not like new Coldplay. Okay, that's fair. Well, then maybe everything this... past Milo Zilato is like eh. To me, so you, do I don't you even like Milo Zalto that much either. Do you remember when they came out with Ghost Stories, and it was like kind Ghost of Ghost Stories was definitely the uh, the valley for Coldplay for me. Yeah, but remember it was kind of like a swerve. Like they did Milo Zalto, then they did Ghost Stories, which was like slowed down more about you know his relationship sure. breakup at the time, and it was kind of a different vibe from they used like electronic drums for the first time. Like literally, they worked with Mike yeah. Dean, who produces Kanye and stuff like that, um, and then they immediately pivoted back to kind of the poppy stuff with um, Adventure of a Lifetime and all that. I think yeah, Pressure Machine is – Angel's nailing it two for two with the songs he's just today. Yeah. He's, did he's you just produce a, these albums? He's just a jukebox over like, there. I did. But, 
But um, yeah, so you know, Ghost Stars is kind of like this like side project, and then they went back to their main sound, and then they did it again a couple years later, um, right before the pandemic, with an album called Everyday Life, which was this really kind of for them super out there. Like it had like a church choir at one point, and like it was acoustic. Like it, well, they do acoustic, but like modern Coldplay, it was out there for them. Um, and now again, they're going back with their new album, Music of the Spears, which comes out in like six weeks. Uh, this to me, Pressure Machine is that for Killers. They found a nugget of a sound they were interested in and employing the Mirage. They had the pandemic in their favor to kind of work on whatever they wanted. I guess Brandon Flowers reconnected with his hometown, which is where all these excerpts of people talking in the album come from about like the desolateness of living in small town Americana, like America with all its opioid issues and whatnot. Um, and they're doing this thing, and I would be shocked if the next album doesn't bounce back in the direction of regular killers. Like, this thing screams weird little personal side project to me, which hopefully I'm right because I want them to go back to the other sound, but it just – it definitely feels like not a typical – they even changed their logo for it for the first time ever. So – Yeah, which is – Yeah. yeah. I mean, me no, they, they, have like changed, they have lane. changed it before. Oh, okay. They they changed it for a single, uh, one of their uh, Christmas singles. Mm. They didn't use their well. Their that almost proves my point that it's like kind of you know a side thing. Just like the Christmas singles are like kind of a side thing. Oh, okay, yeah, sure, yeah. absolutely. And but even I, even as a yeah. side thing, I I still that. Oh, I agree. I will I say, I, yeah. <laughs> West Hills, the opening track on this album, another banger of an opening track that has made it onto my top ten, uh, uh, killer songs. West Hills is the only reason that I will ever go back to uh, listening to this album because, man, it's so epic. And, like, this is the, you know, they get, the killers get rightly criticized for their bombast or at least Brandon's bombast. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's the only one that sort of hits for me because of the bombast. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe that's just the Brandon that I want. But, yeah, this concept album, you know, of, of him going back to his hometown getting these little excerpts of the people that are, are living around there. Um, I, it just doesn't click with me at all yeah. to the yeah. point where like, I understand why there's an abridged version on like music services where you can just skip all that stuff. That. And like that, I, I listened to the, to the, uh, you know, to the full version first. Yeah. And then I listened to the abridged one. Um, yeah, that is I, something I find super interesting is that bridge thing. I, I guess streaming's opening the door to this, but even on some level, when we get to Donda in a few minutes, Kanye did something similar where there's multiple versions of the same song. And I wouldn't even call them remixes. They have the same beats. They just like swap in different guests or swap in different verses. And it's like if you want one or the other, they're both there for you, which is kind of what the abridged thing is. Like it's actually kind of a cool way to let you choose to listen to music how you want, regardless of the quality of the music, just in concept. Like I kind of appreciated that the killers actually did that. Cause yeah, those yeah those talking head things at the beginning, like yeah, they're long, they're really depressing, which I think is the point. Oh yeah, and, they're very depressing. Yeah, which is so weird because like they'll be depressing and then they'll like immediately like wrap up the person saying the thing and then the song will start and it's like half the time like a chipper song. I mean the lyrics necessarily aren't, but like the beat will be chipper or something. So it's just like yeah, yeah like, like you know he got hit by a train and it's like oh a train a train he got and I'm like wait what <laughs> or like something like that. I'm just like okay. Like it almost seems it almost sounds like a Broadway musical quality, not in terms of the type yes. of music, but just how they mur- morph the li- the speaking part into the lyrics. Um, I think this was probably, which is weird because I, I'm reading the reviews for this album, and it's one of their highest rated uh, albums, 
which is, again, I don't know if the killers are just for me anymore because employing the Mirage is also their best reviewed album. And I didn't like that one. Um, but a lot of people are like, Oh yeah, this is their best album. Brandon's singing is like at the top of its game. And I do not agree at all. I think this is Brandon's worst sounding album for sure. Especially the, the first single, uh, in this quiet town. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not that it, it sounds terrible. It's just, it's got that Bruce Springsteen flair where like, it's, it's kind of chaotic. I don't know what you would call it. It's like, it just doesn't match the rhythm of the song. Yeah, where it's sort of um, like, it's like almost like he's like, speak, like, talk It's almost like it's spoken word. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, um, yeah, I, I hate that so much. I, uh oh, it sucks. I, oh, it's, it's such a, it's such a heartbreaker because the killers were my first band that I loved. It was the first concert that I went to when day and age came out mm-hmm. and I love day and age. I know that album is get a lot of credit, but like then they followed that up with bat Battleborn, And that had that Americana flair. And I didn't like that album. Then wonderful, wonderful came back for me. Like I love wonderful, wonderful. I, that album absolutely gets crapped on nowadays as being like their weakest album. Even I like though, it too, honestly. I, I the man is the most out there thing on there, but it's really catchy. Yeah, and it's out there for like on purpose. You know, yeah, he's oh, making totally, fun of totally. himself. Oh, absolutely, like, yeah. And even when he performs it live, like at the Wonderful Wonderful tour, like he's hamming it up. Yeah, it's so it's clearly oh, like yeah, self parody. Yeah, but it's yeah, just like, a we do, catchy we do song. not deserve. We we absolutely do not deserve Brandon Flowers. Um, and and then, I have his autograph on wrong, an album I don't like, <laughs> so that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Two copies, in fact, um, we got two of them. <laughs> so, well, yeah, one, one his and hers. I, I get it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but um, you know, I think to your point about the reviews, honestly, I think there's a difference between us liking the style they're going in and the technical achievement of the album. And to their credit, this is a very well thought through, put together concept album. Like they are sticking to their guns. It all flows really well. The you know the spoken word interviews, the, the the art on the cover, like it all is packaged together really well as this idea. It's just if you don't buy into the idea, it's not good. But if you buy into the idea and you're into like the Bruce Springsteen sound stuff, they do kind of hit the marks of what they need to hit to make it like work. It's just if you don't care, you don't care, which is kind of where I'm at at least. So I do get why I got high reviews. If you like go in going, okay, it's Americana, it's Bruce Springsteen, they're telling these stories. It's you know a different sound. But if you go and go, like, where are my killers at? Yeah, it's not going to – at least for me, yeah. that's what I experienced. Because, like, I, I've only listened to it all the way through once. And actually, I do all listen to it again because, like, you know, even you saying the opening track is the best track, I was like, I didn't feel that. And I saw, like, someone online was saying, like, oh, the 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 title track's really good. I'm like, I don't remember it being that good. And I'm thinking, like, well, maybe I oh, just yeah, I don't I remember went in. Pressure Machine being good at Yeah, and I, I'm wondering how much of it is I just went in expecting killers. Even knowing it wasn't going to be regular killers, still expecting killers. And if I, like, kind of do a palate cleanse and go in and be like, all right, is this good, like, background music while I'm working or something? Like, maybe in that context, it's good. I don't know. Yeah. But, yeah, I think I've that's tried. where the reviews come from. Oh, you yeah. have tried? Um, I still didn't. Still yeah, didn't I've hit. tried just putting it in the backgrounds and, yeah, just the – I. I found myself being like, you know, playing Genshin with the album in the background. I'm like, mm-hmm. what am I listening to? Am I listening to like some slam poetry by Brandon Flowers? <laughs> like, what is this? It's yeah. so weird. Yeah. Um, this is their first album with their lead guitarist back. He's been out since I believe Battleborn. I, Battleborn was the last album that he was on. Yeah. But they yeah. didn't have the bassist. Uh, 
because of uh, COVID. And so I think the plan is their next album, they're going to all four be on it again. So, mm-hmm. And that's what, and they made uh, a comment saying it's going to be more like stadium rock in some interview or something. So that makes me think, okay, we're this is a side hustle they're doing right now with Pressure Machine. They're going to go back to their meme. Yeah. Yeah, so that, and, that's... you know, it does make sense with the pandemic hitting the app. Sure, make your smaller... Yeah. Your, yeah. Uh, your more low-key album. It just didn't hit for me. Yeah, I don't think I'm ever listening to this album ever again. I found myself listening to, like, Sawdust right after that. And, like, oh, this is the killers that I want. This is the killers that I need. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's not going to be for everybody. I understand. But, yeah, this album... I, I, I'm just done with this. And if their next album doesn't hit for me, I think I'm just never getting hyped up for another killers album i've been stung these last two albums right right yeah it's uh yeah it always sucks in a house as a favorite band doesn't it where like you follow them and they just slowly turn into something yeah. else yeah i've and been fortunate like, that my bands that i'm into mostly haven't done that or always kind of circle back to sounds i like but yeah it's uh sure. yeah it's it definitely can sting it's this uh it's this thing where I hear a lot I think I might have said this the last time that we talked about the killers, but a lot of people are like, you know, bands have to evolve and change and I don't necessarily agree with that. Interpol has had the exact same sound since their inception and I believe that they're still putting out great records. Um The Strokes, you know, they've had some downs, but like their newest album is great and that was like a great return to form for them. Mm-hmm. Uh so, yeah, I don't necessarily agree with the entire, oh, bands have to change. Uh, I, I do couldn't think they... understand why Brandon wants to change, but... Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily asking for another Hot Fuzz. Uh, I'm I'm not even asking for another Samstown, which I, I love Samstown. Like, if they could just get to, like, day and age, I'd be so happy. Yeah, just have some weird grammar in their choruses again, like human, and we're good. That's all it needs. Yeah, human, like, uh, <laughs> all these things that I've done. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. give us give us weird killers again, not yeah. not Springsteen killers. I, I do think, though, that that's interesting about, you know, evolution, because I think, I think that actually hits on a lot of how I feel about Donda and Certified Lover Boy, since we were mentioning it before. Just this... Yeah, let's know, get what, into those. I, I think we've is, talked enough killers. Yeah, but, like, what is, like, evolution in music, right? Because I think what Drake does... And I'm not the biggest Drake guy. I like some of his singles. I like some of his songs. Like, I think when Scorpion came out, I, I kept, like, six of the songs in my playlist or something. And, like, they were catchy and whatever. But, like, those six songs were ones where he was doing something a little different. That's when he started doing, like, kind of the, the New Orleans, like, bounce, like, subgenre with the, like, you know, chop samples of, like, uh, um, oh, God, I forgot all the names of the song. Not God Plan, the other one. With... <laughs> but you know what I'm talking about where he, like, did the chopped up vocals that became the beat? Um, I'm going I'm to find it. Hang on. Give me one sec. Angel is three for three today. Jesus. Wait, what, what did he do? I didn't catch it. You didn't hear him? You didn't hear no. his little uh, I need to do it again. Well, no. It's Angel? one thing. All right, fine. I'll, I'll listen back to recording. Nice for what? That's the song I was thinking of. Where he does that, like, the... Yeah. So, like, that stuff was, like, I thought was interesting. But the thing with, like, Certified Loverboy and Drake in general, in my opinion, um, is he found a formula that works. And he sticks to it to such a T that, like... It all blends. Like, it's not... It crumbles I, under its own weight? I don't know if it crumbles under its own weight, because some people are definitely enjoying it from what I gathered online. Not a lot of people. Like, most people say it's kind of disappointing. But, um, like, just, yeah, it's just, like, it's just so, like, you can find... Okay, so he does a slow song with kind of, like, steady 
hi-hat sound that has Jay-Z on it. Okay, he did that two albums ago too. They literally sound like the same song. He did this one song that's kind of like a bit goofier with Future, the Way Too Sexy one. Okay, they just did that a year or two ago with a song called, um, I think it's called Good Life or something like that. Um, and they play Garbage Men in it. Now they're doing like a riff on 90. Like, it's like a joke song. Okay, he has this one. Like, you can line up all the like formulas of how he builds his songs between albums. And the problem with this one, from what I've gathered, I did one kind of jump around, listen through, and I've been reading some impressions of it, is like, he did it this time without having good hooks. It's like there's no catchy choruses in the way that there are on other albums of his. So he's using the same like cookie cutter formula, but without as catchy of hooks. So all that becomes apparent is how cookie cutter the formula is. Like you can see the the building blocks. And I feel like even if you're an artist that wants to keep your sound, or like you you know you were saying, kind of go back with uh, you know to the day and age era, or do some weird killers like all things I've done or something like like. Within that sound, there's room to experiment and grow and do stuff, right? And I feel like in the case of Drake, he maybe didn't. And in the case of Kanye, he maybe did. Too and much. Donda... Do you say too much? <laughs> um, Donda, to preface, it's a really stupid idea. And Drake did this too, actually. It's really stupid to keep putting people that have been accused of horrible crimes on your music and give them residuals every time it's streamed. Like, Drake did it with R. Kelly. Uh, Kanye most no, more notably did it with, um, okay, baby made some homophobic comments. That's not good, but it's not the same scale as putting Marilyn Manson on your song right after yeah. he's like 15 women of uh, committing all sorts of heinous acts. But ignoring... Not ignoring, but getting, you know, beyond that, because you can just not listen to that version of that song. There's two versions of the song on the album. So beyond that, um, what Kanye did with Donda that's kind of interesting is besides it being very bloated and long, like Drake's, um, you can hear, in the same way that Drake sort of plucked out what worked for him in the past, maybe with weaker choruses, but, you know, the same elements, you can hear Kanye taking a thing from Yeezus, a thing from, um, you know, uh, Graduation, a thing from... Dark Twisted Fantasy, kind of even a thing from uh, Jesus is King with like the choir background, backing vocals and stuff. And so they're mixing them, matching them together, and then adding like a new sound on top of it. So it's for Kanye, it's not like as innovative as Jesus was or something, or as AO8s and Heartbreak was. But you can sort of pick out the elements he put together and then he mixed them in such a way and did stuff on top of them in such a way. Like he has a piano ballad on this one called come to life where it's like it's him singing no autotune and it becomes like this like three layers of piano while playing it's just like doesn't really have bass or anything it's just looks like melodic thing which for him is new but he you know you hear okay the singing kind of comes from 808s and like the early part of the song has a little like drums to it that kind of sounds like you know typical kanye or like there's a song called new again that sounds like graduation like it has the sense of graduation there's a song called god breathe that has kind of the yeezus vibe but then uh has a bit more it gets kind of spacey towards the end and like it yeah it's just it's just interesting that like you can pick out what he did but he put all in a blender and then threw in a few new ingredients and that actually made it sound fresh while still staying true to kind of his sound and he's had his ups and downs too honestly like yay which was the album he did in the midst of his mental breakdown was um not to like say his mental breakdown was why it wasn't good but he was going through a lot of the time and the album's not as strong and it definitely felt more derivative and jesus is king i liked top. yay i like yay but it felt more der- derivative for sure like like if you listen to the back half, maybe, like, maybe that's maybe that's what I need. I I need things to just sound exactly like <laughs> the things that I, I mean, like. Well, how you did if, you listen to Donda? How you feel about Donda? Uh, I've only listened to Donda f- with those listening parties. I actually haven't listened mm. to mm-hmm. the actual album that's on streaming services. 
I yeah, it's uh, I'd, I'd be curious what you think about because I think yeah, like I at the time liked Yay Tune. I still think Yikes is actually a pretty strong song, even though he does that weird ramble about how he feels like Superman, like on top of the music, and it's just like oh yeah, I I love yeah. Yikes. Yeah, Yikes is like actually pretty good. Um, there's another song on there that's pretty good that I'm forgetting, and like even Jesus is King, like. This nice Jewish boy here, like, doesn't listen to lyrics for lyrics. So I don't mind that everything's like, God, Jesus, blah, blah. But, like, the production on it, like, he kept it really, like, kind of tight and short. And, like, it, like, the songs are under, like, three minutes each and they have good beats. Like, it works. It works mostly. The back half gets a little, like, more religious. But, um, yeah. So I don't know. Like, it's, I've never, like, disliked an album of his, but this one kind of feels like a lot of, a culmination of a lot of different parts of him. Even Kid See Ghosts, which is his Kid Cudi collab album from a few years ago, actually from like the week after Ye came out. Um, he does this weird, like almost like scatting on one of the songs on that. He does that again at the tail end of one of the songs on here. And like, you can, you can literally see the building blocks being like shot. Like, if you look at Drake and you look at Kanye, you can see one of them rebuilding the same Lego thing. You can see someone else that just like broke the Lego thing into a million pieces and they're like just doing something different with the same pieces. And I think that's kind of, for me, what makes Donda the more interesting of the two. And I, I, anyone that's so, been listening to the podcast for a while knows I do like Kanye. Like, I'm a bit of a Kanye. Not him as a person, just him as a musician, um, which I know is getting harder to separate. Uh, so obviously I come up with a slight bias. But even then, like I like I said, I have, you know, I like some stuff off every Drake album. This is the first Drake album. I can't figure out a single song I want to keep. So, yeah, I don't know. But it's just interesting to see, you know, how artists grow in different ways or don't grow. You know, what... And Drake had the more success. He has the number one streaming album ever, fastest streamed album ever with Certified Lover Boy. So clearly it resonates on some level. But So Donda yeah. lo pones with the other albums. What? You only compare Donda? It, that, that Donda not... lo pones con los otros albums. So, so I, I, I only know English, unfortunately. But I'm going to assume you're saying compare and contrast Donda or rank Donda against the other albums. Yeah, well, Donda is like a... Yeah, the second one. It's like more, yeah. I'm using it as a point for where. Because it sounds oh, like Donde. Oh, I see. Where Donde does Donda where among Donda. the other albums? Yeah. You yeah. know, that's tricky. That's I think for me, Jesus and AO8, as I was saying on one of the other Arnons, is probably like tied for number one. Um, I would say this project... I, it, it it's stronger than yay i think it's stronger than jesus is king i think um it's somewhere it's 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 probably about equal to life of pablo at the moment for oh, me, which i would say is like halfway down the list and even even you know i was saying about the building blocks even how it compares to life of pablo like the kind of scatterbrainness of it is very like life of pablo and even the way he um like brings in a lot of younger he always does this by the way it's actually something really cool that he does he brings in a lot of like newer or younger artists in rap to be on the album kind of give them like a signal boost but also sort of encompass their sound so like a lot there's a couple songs on here like remote control or off the grid that definitely are like leaning on stuff that like playboy cardi or like uh those sorts of artists are doing more of these days so he's kind of like adapting with the times so the question of where it ranks now, I'd probably say it's about Pablo level. Where it will rank in a few years will probably depend on how dated him sort of borrowing some of those sounds will sound at that point. Like, because if you, if you listen to a song from like 2009, like like Blame It On The Alcohol by Jamie Foxx, like that song sounds dated now. And Kanye's been really good with his stuff of kind of borrowing trends but not making it sound as dated, at least in my mind. But I am curious how some of these will sound because some of these are straight up just like like Yeezus still sounds really fresh today. But you know, like mm. will remote control, which has like a pretty generic beat, all things considered, sound interesting in a few years, or it's just gonna be like, oh yeah, it's that time that Kanye tried that thing. 
Like, I, I don't know. So it, as of right now, I'd probably put about equal with Pablo, which means it's lower than AOH, it's lower than uses, it's probably lower than Dark Twisted Fantasy, and it's lower than Graduation. And his first two albums are like kind of in their own category because they're all soul samples. Which, by the way, he even sneaks one of those on here. He has a Lauren Hill sample. It's the only song that doesn't fit because the whole album's kind of just like, not dark and cold, but kind of dark and cold. For a song that has a lot to do with like, you know, a lot of God imagery, a lot of Jesus references, like it's kind of a dark and cold album. Like it's, you know, it's about his mom and her passing and him coming to reconcile with that and also reconcile with his family kind of breaking up because he and his wife got divorced. And there, it has this kind of like distant, like spacey, kind of almost futuristic like sound to it. Um, and then there's this really warm song that samples Lauren Hill that okay. actually sounds wrong, great. I was thinking wrong, Spacey. Oh, no, 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 not Kevin. <laughs> not Kevin Spacey. No, but, um. I mean, he's got Marilyn Manson on. That's on true. Him, yeah. So I wouldn't put it past you never him, know. unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, there, there's this really warm Lauren Hill song, as I was starting to say, which, uh, it honestly, like, even has vocal cues from, like, Pablo, like, where they did, like, where he did on, like, Wolves and a few other songs. Yeah, they have this, like, kind of, like, I don't know, like howling background vocal thing. Like that's in the song. I really feel like that song is like from five years ago. And he's just like, oh yeah, we should maybe cheer up the album a little and just throw this on there real quick. Or realistically, what he might have done is we have a third listening party. They've heard all the songs. We need to put a new song. Let's just master this one real fast. Because it definitely sounds like it's from the Pablo era. Which which is also the other, I could keep rambling while I'll stop. The other interesting thing about Donda, last thing I'll say, is this thing is like four albums deep in terms of... um or four unfinished albums deep in terms of the music. Like the song Hurricane with The Weeknd, that was leaked like years ago when he was yeah. going to do... Yeah, it was leaked years ago when it was called 80 Degrees and it was going to be on Yondi, which is a dumb name for an album even to this day. Um, yeah, so that's like three, four years old. There's a verse of like song Yondi. Three, what? I oh, like it's, that. It's a, I like Yondi it's, to, I mean, to it's compliment Jesus. Name, but yeah, no, it, it, yeah. It's, it's a dumb name in the sense of like the fact that, I don't know, He's he's like rap Gandhi. I don't really understand, but yeah, it, it it rolls off the tongue well, and it does. The parallel is kind of good. You're right. Um, but yeah, there's a song on there where he references he's 42, except he's 44. So like this thing's been in the oven forever. So it's nice to just finally have something out at last. And even then, there's already cut songs. Just this weekend, there's a whole. So Drake and Kanye have a feud, I guess. And um, Drake played on Sirius XM. He took over his surprise in the middle of the night and played an unreleased song from. Donda called Life of the Pirate, which features Andre 3000 of Outcast. The song Day Make It on the album. It has a diss of Drake by Kanye, and I think Drake was trying to like take the like oomph out of the diss by like premiering it before Kanye was ready. So like it was unfinished basically. Um it seemed to have backfired. Most of the internet seems to think it's a really good song. Uh but uh you know that's a song that was very close to being on Donda, wasn't, could come out separately, could be sitting in a vault for five years or apparently may never officially come out now because uh, Andre 3000 didn't want it on Donda because for some Christian reason, Kanye censored Donda. So even like his own verses where he swears, he censors, which is like, well, if you know you're censoring, just don't swear. But nonetheless, uh, Andre 2000 had a verse I didn't want censors. They agreed not to put it on the album. So like there's always these like dozens of songs just lying around that one day may see release. Who knows? But yeah, you, you could tell Donda was like, multiple projects kind of merged together which maybe is how the building block shuffle kind of came to be i don't know but um yeah anyway that's a lot about donda but i'm I'm enjoying it <laughs> so well i don't know how to uh you can't you don't angel, angel you don't you don't listen you don't listen to donda you've been listening to the sound of metal am i right my boy wow hell yeah
That is beautiful. Wow. Maybe a double wow. That's the one that you'll only ever get from me. That was that was like higher quality than half the transitions I do on normal random Nintendo, to be fair. Hey, <laughs> let's go. Yeah, you're like in the upper echelon now. Congrats. But yeah, contrary to the title, I watched something called The Sound of Metal. Because you don't ever really get the sound of metal. It's almost like the absence of sound of metal. And I mean, yeah. I mean, at face value, I thought this was going to be it's like a, a documentary. I, I don't know. I I guess I was just mis... I misinterpreted what this movie was going to be about. I didn't expect it to be, you know, a regular movie. Just a narrative, just a story you follow by Amazon, of all people. I thought it was just available on Amazon Prime, but I guess it's produced by Amazon Prime. Or one of those mo- or whatever they do for their service, but... Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, it was we finally kind of got back to our movie of the week, and this was the pick. And it's yeah, it's a movie about I guess dealing with losing your hearing, and what better person to pair that with than with you know an artist of metal, as you can imagine, a drummer specifically. And yeah, I really enjoyed it. The performances more than anything is kind of what I remember the most, specifically the protagonist. I. Ruben, I believe is the character name. But I don't know who the actor Played by is. Riz Ahmed. Who? Riz Ahmed. Ah him. He he was in uh He was in the Rogue One, which I, I think that's probably what he's best known for, but Yeah. To me, Rogue One. He was in he he was the the pilot. Oh, he was also the villain in Venom. Really? The, oh wow! The main guy, the main villain in the I, yeah. I thought this was but, like uh, my first time seeing him. I've seen both of those movies. No, and I don't. Oh, he was in Nightcrawler. That I think that's where like that was his breakout role with uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, I was thinking and of the then, X-Men. No, <laughs> not the X. And then, um, uh, most importantly for me, he was in The Night of, which is a miniseries on HBO that was amazing probably better than seasons two and three of true detective yeah that show wow. actually is on my radar you guys see. because of the actor yeah. because i was like oh wow i really enjoyed his work i felt like he did a really good job just conveying emotion without even really saying anything like you feel like i don't know his when he's like you know really sad and depressed like you almost kind of get a little sad and depressed he was just really good at making you sympathetic towards his character and when i heard about like oh like the night of is a great show on HBO Max. You should check it out. It has that conspiracy dude from Transformers for some reason. Conspiracy. Um, oh uh, crap! I forget his name. But I was gonna say John Leguizamo, but no, it's <laughs> John John Turturro from uh, Big Lebowski. Oh yeah, he's Jesus in that one. Yeah, he's Jesus. Yeah, the ball polisher or whatever. Um, but yeah, like I, I mean, obviously we're we'll gonna. I guess like, the most distinctive thing about this movie, I guess, is this use of sound, which is really cool. Like, I mean, you spend half the movie pretty much being in the shoes of someone that is losing their losing their hearing, and you kind of go through those stages, like obviously all the way to like complete silence. But then they also do some other things that you know just kind of make it interesting. It kind of makes you feel how frustrating it would be to, you know, be in that situation, but also realize that, you know, it's not the end of the world. Like, because the movie kind of goes through a little bit of everything. It's like hopeful, heartwarming, but also kind of depressing. 
not as depressing as something, mind you, like Grave of the Fireflies here or something, but it does kind of get you to a a bittersweet human acceptance of sorts. But but yeah, I mean, I would definitely recommend it. I mean, I was completely surprised by it. You could say I went in with no expectations because I thought it was going to be a different type of movie. So yeah, The Sound of Metal. Flash in the pan, maybe. I don't know if they're going to do more, but I guess if you like him, maybe check out The Night Of. Kevin seems to like that show. But uh, I've loved The Night Of. How long? That, that should have been the uh, uh, True Detective. Like, that should have just been called True Detective Season 2 or Season 3. That would have been amazing. How many episodes is it? Six episodes. Oh. But I do, I do believe they are about an... Yeah, they're about an hour long, yeah. What? I, I would still watch it. I'm I'm telling you, it's it's amazing. Yes, we will. One of my favorite things that I've ever watched. That's high praise. Yeah, I I I will say maybe it's just because it's condensed. It's like, it's only like six episodes long, but I would say I like it better than the entirety of Breaking Bad. Oh wow! Wow, that's high praise. Yep. And why haven't you seen it, Jason? Yep. You seem to be all up on the. Yeah, I don't know. I think I might add it to my list of shows I need to catch up on on streaming. Back. Are to you that failing point. as a? Well, it's a couple years old now, isn't it? Media cons- it, it even more reason. Yeah. If it was brand new, I don't watch everything, Angel. All right, here, here's a confession: I've never watched Mad Men. Yeah, but if, yeah, uh, I've never watched Mad Men. That either. was more like a flash in the pan. I feel like people talked about it, it when it first years, came out. No, it was people, eight years long. How's that Mad flash Men. in the pan? John Hamm's whole career, Christina uh, Hendricks' whole career, they both came out of that. All I'm saying is, I heard a lot about it when it was when I think the first season was out. And then I haven't heard anybody even bring it up in regular conversation. No, dude, people love Mad Men. Mad Men had a huge following. It probably just has, like, you know, the people that love it are the ones that are still watching it, but maybe it's just not getting a bunch no, of No, it's over. Watchers. It ended, like, five years ago, six years ago. Oh, I guess I, I haven't ago. heard a lot That's about the That's why you then. didn't hear it. Yeah, what you thought was the first season is probably the last season. <laughs> no, no, it was definitely the first season. I can't remember when it came out. Oh. Yeah. Kept talking about it on our Whoa. film classes about advertising. It's so weird because I love advertising and branding and like I noticed like when they changed the design. Fun fact from when I was a kid, I said on the podcast before, when I was a kid, we used to go down the cereal aisle at the grocery store. I'd always notice the and you second. you always have to get a pack of smokes. Lucky story. Y- yep. Did you say I love advertisements? I love adver- like the idea of advertising. I don't know. I just love branding wow. and like the <laughs> I graphic like being design. Marketed at. And the, Tell me to buy I, something. I, I, I mean, come on. It. I go to Comic-Con every year. I do love being marketed at. <laughs> but but no um no when I was a kid I used to go down the cereal aisle and like if they changed the boxes design if they changed the mascots like eye color if they changed the font of like General Mills I would notice it and be like look they changed it my parents be like okay like I just I don't know I love that sort of stuff it's weird I don't want to be marketed at but necessarily but I enjoy the process of <laughs> it <laughs> I don't know I don't know but yeah so I'm shocked I haven't watched Mad Men because it's literally all about that. At least on the surface, it's yeah, really man, interpersonal you drama, but you know. Well, yeah. I guess. Uh, I mean, if we ain't got nothing more to talk about, I definitely don't want to talk about how Jason loves advertisements. <laughs> uh, I think and that'll yet, do I it don't for have any for we'll our podcast. No wonder he so obsessed with the sales corner because it's all about, I guess, the results of sales. that advertisements. Yeah, like, that they were. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I love advertising. I just love branding. Sense. And like, I don't know the graphic design, and I, I don't know. 
It's why I like doing all okay, the I'll, I'll, for the Branding it makes more sense or yeah. is at least more normal than advertisements. <laughs> Although even then, it's funny because like when I used to watch like linear TV and there were like commercials, they'd be like, oh, they changed the logo or oh, this is, you know, like I noticed all that stuff too. Yeah. Is it so you don't have an ad block? Toyota's logo's in a red box now, guys, like the Switch. For me, that was a big deal. No one else cared. But I was like, whoa, they ripped off the Switch red box. White white symbol in a red box. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're too much sometimes. I know. Well, in that case, <laughs> let's uh let's wrap it up. Let us know what you thought about the episode by dropping a comment on the blog post. You're already listening to us on some sort of streaming service. But uh, now we can add Amazon Podcast to that list, right? Or is mm-hmm. it Amazon Music? It's technically Amazon Music. It also includes Audacity. No, not Audacity. Audible. So if you use Audible, it's oh, under Amazon Music, which means we're also on Audible. And you can once again ask Alexa to play us. You used to be able to when they teamed up with TuneIn, then they dropped that. But yeah. so mm, Interesting, interesting. Well, uh, you can also follow us on Twitter. Uh, collectively, we are at Random Nintendo. Individually, Jason is at JSR7. Angel is at W-E-I-R-O underscore O, Wayro. And uh, I am at Kevin Gomi, KVN Gomi. Next week, we will have a new random Nintendo where we Nintendo. might talk WarioWare. Nintendo. I said Nintendo, didn't I? You said Nintendo. It's all a mess. Uh, we yeah, will no, have a uh, brand new random Nintendo. I don't think we're going to do WarioWare just because it comes out like right when we're recording. But I think Angel and I finally have Ace Attorney, hopefully. At least a case. Okay, there we go. And um, I think we're going to, you know, Big Brain Academy was announced and uh, Knockout City has some new stuff. So we'll have some stuff. We'll have some stuff. It'll be good. Okay, we'll have some stuff for you. And then (laughs) maybe. Yeah. And then two weeks from now, we will have a brand new random Nintendo, assuming the world doesn't end. Uh, And with that, Jason, take us out. I don't know why I said that. (laughs) The world ends. Yeah, that got dark. What, What happened there? Oh, but my final word is I love advertising. 